0: I'm Sharon Davis, Chief Executive of Young Enterprise. And in our first podcast series of Enterprising Mindsets, we had some fascinating chats with brilliant guests on the role mindset plays in helping us to live, learn, and lead. Our second series of Enterprising Mindsets shines a spotlight on female founders. My guest today is Alicia Navarro. She's a serial tech entrepreneur with a passion for product, brand design, and culture. In 2007, Alicia founded Skimlinks, an innovative platform helping publishers such as BudsFeed and AOL monetize their commerce related content. Alicia started the company in her living room in Sydney, Australia, and over 11 years as CEO of the business, she grew it to a $50 million a year business based in London with operations in San Francisco and New York. In 2018, she stepped down as CEO to focus on building her next venture, and Skimlinks was acquired by Connectivity in 2020 during COVID. COVID lockdown. Alicia's won the Every Woman in Technology Entrepreneur of the Year, a finalist in Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year, and the WCIT Female Entrepreneur of the Year, along with countless other awards for her leadership and startups, innovation, growth and culture. And we're proud to say that Alicia's also a Young Enterprise alumna. Alicia, welcome to Enterprising Mindsets. Thank you, Sharon. I'm delighted to be here. Where are you physically in the world as we speak? Right now,
1: I am in the middle of the countryside in Ibiza, Spain. Um, I just arrived last night and I'm going to be here for the next couple of months. I have been a nomad um, since pretty much the lockdown eased, uh, so since July. Uh, and I've been traveling to a new place almost every week, uh, mostly around Portugal since then.
0: Fantastic. So well let's let's ju- let's jump right in. For listeners who may not have heard of Skimlinks, can you give us an overview of what it is and what gave you the idea in the first place?
1: Yeah, so Skimlinks um, it's doesn't it's not a particularly sexy sounding business, but it ended up being a really successful one because it was used by pretty much every online publisher and website um, in the US and the UK and lots of other countries as well. So we we help publishers like, as you say, BuzzFeed and AOL and Hearst and Condé Nast, we help them make um, a commission on any product that they wrote about in their content. So if you read any of those gift guides or top 10 products for your nephew's birthday, 95% of the time, Skimlinks will be running on that site, helping that website get paid a little bit of a commission uh, on anything that you buy. The idea for that was completely accidental when i started the company initially it was a very it was totally different it was more of a early pinterest wannabe and it was while trying to make that work and iterating and iterating and iterating that i realized that uh, rather than build this kind of consumer-facing website instead we we had built this internal uh, way of making money on our own sites And we realized that that little internal technology that we had built was actually really useful um and so we ended up packaging it up so that lots of other websites could use it and by the time that we were acquired by connexity um yeah we were used on you know hundreds of thousands of websites billion a billion users uh, a month we would capture um that we, we would see across our network of publishers uh yeah it was Kind of crazy to think that this little idea that we had ended up being part of like the internet's
0: infrastructure. Oh my word, that's that is just amazing. And it sounds like that it was that iteration that led you to the successful path.
1: Yeah, I mean, no little girl ever wakes up and says, "You know what? I'm going to build an affiliate marketing automation platform." Nobody <laughs> ever said that. Those ideas are not born; they are developed with lots of failures in the lead up. They're finally coming, finally coming up with like, ah. Oh, Okay, this makes sense. It was not something obvious from the outset.
0: And that leads me to to a question I like to ask most of most of our guests, and that's: What does an enterprising mindset mean to you personally?
1: You see failure as an opportunity to learn something new that you can use to do something better next time. Because no, there's no get-rich-quick schemes in this world. Like there's a lot of trial and error, and an enterprising mindset is one that doesn't see failure as failure, but as an absolutely necessary path, a uh, step in the path to actually getting something useful and innovative
0: eventually. So it's new information that leads you to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing.
1: Exactly. Like, yeah, if, if innovations were obvious and like, you know, there'd be a lot more of them, but they, they tend to come about accidentally. And, uh, and, and that takes a lot of um, enterprise in order to uncover
0: and you are, I mean, you really are a serial um, tech entrepreneur. You've just literally founded a new business, Flown. Uh, I'm really, really excited to learn more about that as a business. And also, what's it like starting a new business during a pandemic?
1: <laughs> it's, um, I, there are days when I think, what on earth have I done? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the truth of it is that I've always loved, like my thing, the thing that I love to do more than anything else is, um, up with I- ideas to solve problems, um, and my natural bent is to think of ways to commercialize them, how to turn them into a technical product. So my mind is just always thinking that. Uh, and when I left my last business, Gimlinks, um, I, I took some time just to decompress, um, and I had all these plans about how, like, books I wanted to write and businesses I wanted to start, and you know, nonprofits I wanted to support. Um, And I had all these ideas for things I wanted to do, but I felt that I, I found that I didn't have places to do them in, and that it was really hard to kind of get into that creative mindset that allows those kinds of ideas to really flourish. Um, And, and so I hadn't really intended on starting another business, but I discovered um, through my own experience, a very real problem that my mind instinctively went to try to solve. And so suddenly and and, I, and this wasn't again a one th- a, like a one-time thing I started having this idea 2 years ago and then I kind of parked it and then I was um you know climbing through Mayan ruins um Incan ruins in Peru and I suddenly had, like was like oh I could do this with it and I would sit down on a ruin with my notebook and start taking notes Then I was swimming with sea turtles in the Galapagos Islands. And I just had this other like, Oh, of course, that's how I could do this. And so I'd get back onto the boat and get my notebook out and take more notes. So this was like a very, um, I just, I didn't really have a choice. I just, this this, this idea kept barraging in on me. Um, and I realized that it was something I believed in really passionately and I really enjoyed doing. And so, I started to flesh it out, but it was never this one moment of right, I'm going to do it. It was a long process of ideation and experimentation. So last year to kind of flesh this idea out, um, I was also nomading um, around France and Spain. And so while I'm traveling, I, I found this villa and I said, right, I'm going to turn this villa into a remote working location and test out this idea. So then I just created you know, my own website while traveling and, and did this kind of experimentation. There's a process to start a business that is not a particular day, but it's these series of moments that propel you further each day to the point where you go, right, I have no choice, I've got to do this.
0: And where is the business at this point in in the process?
1: So just before the lockdown happened, I was trying to work out how I wanted to do it. Do I want to do it? Did I want to do it in a really hacky kind of way? Or did I want to kind of raise money and try to do it in a much more splashy kind of way? Mm. And so just um, for
0: our listeners, what, what, when you talk about a real hacky kind of way, you mean kind of like bootstrapping it at low yeah, cost?
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then it, then it was just a really hilarious series of coincidences because then... last company was in the process of being acquired while we're all in lockdown and i had just started to fundraise um, for it and it all happened basically in the same like two-week period and it just it was a very overwhelming and weird time Um, and i decided to park the fundraise for a little bit because i thought you know now that i've made some money maybe i can fund it myself Uh, and so i ended up going back to The investors that I had been speaking to and saying, you know, I think I'm going to do this myself, which of course is the perfect thing to say (laughs) when you want them to give you money. So um, I ended up raising like 1.2 million pounds relatively easily. And
0: uh, you raised raised that money, someone else's money, not your money.
1: No, from investors.
0: Right. Because you basically had said, well, I'm going to do this myself. So for people's, a bit of a fear of missing out, was there or something?
1: Yeah. Well, in the end, what I decided to do was put some of my own money into it. Uh, But like about 10%, and then the investors put the rest in. So now where I am to answer your question is, um, I've now hired a team, and we're busy um, building this platform and building out a a network of properties. I haven't actually even said what flown is yet, but I, I I will say that where I am right now is I am deep in the development phase with a planned launch in the new year.
0: Fantastic. And flown, what what is it about the title flown? What you know? Why is it called flown?
1: So, the idea of Flown is that it's a platform that provides the ideal physical and mental spaces for people to think and work more creatively and productively. The driver behind it being that it's, you know, offices and open plan offices, back in the day when we were in them, um, are not great places for focused work because there's distractions. And even now, when so many of us are working from home, sometimes you just need to get away from your day-to-day because you're just sick of being in the one place all the time, or perhaps you have other distractions at home that make it difficult for you to dive deeply into something creative or significant. And so you can find these kind of places on Airbnb or booking.com, but there's a lot of mediocrity to wave through, and then you're not really sure if the Wi-Fi is consistent. So Phone will be providing on one half, a curated collection of these deep work friendly spaces that are optimized for either desk work, for contemplative escapes, or for team offsites. But then physical space isn't enough. So we also are providing uh, an online set of, um, of tools and uh, resources that help you get into a deep work state, either by helping you with accountability and focus, with creativity, or with um, inspiration. And so the whole thing is bundled up and offered to individuals and companies as a membership.
0: I was going to ask the question, is it, is it just for companies or is it for individuals as well?
1: It, it, yeah, we have packages for both, um, but the name Flown is, uh, so there's a very famous book by a Russian author whose name is very long, but he wrote a book called Flow and he talks all about how to get into a flow state, which is one where you're engaged in something complex and significant. And all time loses its meaning because you're just so in this task. You're so in this creative, challenging space. And that's when not only can you um, learn the most or develop the most or do the most creative things, but it's also the source of human joy and satisfaction. And then there was another book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, It's slightly more recent, and he talks about it. It's It's a wonderful book to read, and I thoroughly recommend it to everyone, Deep Work. But he also talks about how being in this state of focused concentration not only is the source of the greatest work you do, but it is also the source of your greatest joy. And so flown both incorporates the, the word flow, but it also implies you have achieved
0: great heights. Ah, right. So the Rose Review uh, found one of the cultural barriers affecting women thinking of starting a business was around perception of skills and ability. So the Rose Review finding only that 39% of women are confident in their capabilities to start a business compared to 55% of men. So let's just be clear, this is about perceived gap in ability rather than an actual gap in skill sets. As a female founder yourself, do you recognise self-belief as a potential barrier to female entrepreneurship?
1: i think it is something that on average women tend to be a lot more self-critical of themselves and their abilities than men are Um, and yes that is a big part of what it takes to do this because i often say that if if you wait until you know all the answers you'll never start and the the heart of being an entrepreneur is to say to yourself i don't know all the answers but I have enough faith in myself that I'll work it out along the way. And that's a big leap of, of faith that I guess if women tend to have that um, perceived lack of confidence in their own abilities may lead them to never start. Um, and I think it's really healthy for them to know that no one knows all the answers. I promise you no one knows the answers and and You may think that they do, but the other thing that we're very good at is pretending that we know what we're doing. (laughs) Because The other thing that we're responsible for is bringing people along for the ride. And so you've got to have enormous confidence or appear to have enormous confidence in your convictions because you're trying to convince someone to entrust their career in your hands. And that's a big responsibility.
0: Yeah, because it's not just you, right? As their entrepreneur. It's just not you. It's you're bringing along another group of people. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And so being able to tell a story about what it is that you want to achieve and why you think you're uniquely able to do that is essential. And and the truth of it is there's days when I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I don't know. But But you know what? Everyone's thinking that. And, and so then you just think, okay, but I don't need to know the answers. I just need to know like one step at a time. I need to know how to hire good people that fill in the gaps that I have. So I just hire, like, I'm very honest with where my gaps are and then that's who I hire.
0: And so when you have those days, when you think, I don't know what I'm doing, what, and you capture that, that, that kind of, that, that negative talk what do you do then to kind of disrupt it, to, to carry on with that, that unfailing confidence? I listen to you and I would join you. You know, I, you're so good at what you do. How do you keep that going when times when you think, oh, I'm having one of those days where I just, it just, it just feels so hard?
1: I mean, there's lots of different ways I can answer that. Um, there's the, I guess the way that I handled it when I was early in my career, which is, you know, you, you, you feel those um you see saw a lot and there are days when you know you, you just think how am I going to get out of this hole and then the next day something great happens and you're you know, sky high but now that I've been doing it so long you come to accept that that is a very natural part of this just this life choice I've made to do this kind of work so you just accept it
0: What would you say in terms of building a culture that kind of addresses the issues we've talked about? You know, how would we make it more possible for for more young women to consider it possible to start a business?
1: To start a business or work in, in tech because they're quite different things.
0: Well, to start, you know, any regardless of industry, but, you know, if a young woman was were, were thinking about starting a business, a female founder starting a business, how do we encourage more of that kind of willingness to take a risk or willingness to, or I, I guess, that, that, that development of self-belief to say, actually, I think I can do this?
1: Um, I think what you're doing is part of it. Like the more um, stories there are and evidence of women that have, done it and that have done it while you know semi-sane <laughs> is, is really healthy because I think that I, I was very lucky that I had some great female role models when I was young and I think that makes an enormous difference. So seeing more women that have done it that look like them or that act like them helps. I think the biggest challenge though to women starting companies particularly women and particularly women that want families is that it's very hard to do both at the same time and that's not anyone else's fault other than biology like there's it's just the amount of mind mind space it's really hard to start a successful business that doesn't consume you and that's hard to do While being consumed by something else.
0: Yes, that's interesting because that was another barrier to female entrepreneurship that the Rose Review identified was that primary caregivers. It's very, very difficult to 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 really pursue that that kind of entrepreneurship opportunity for primary caregivers.
1: I I don't even know how it's possible unless you have the money to have a nanny or you have a partner that is uh, or a family member that's able to do a majority of the childcare. But you need, you know. It's not a nine-to-five job um i you know even with flown now i had initially intended on starting at thinking you know what i'm not going to work i'm not going to go crazy this time i'm going to have a balanced life i'm going to you know make sure i have time for the other things in my life that are important and what i'm realizing now is i'm stuck into it again i don't know how people can do it because i certainly cannot and i think it's really hard to have a successful business if you don't, for a period of time anyway, dedicate a lot of your mind. Now, that being said, I know there's some great founders that I know that have managed to have kids
0: through it. I think that it takes quite a lot of bravery to do it because it's hard. So it's about having that support network around you, I guess, as well, isn't
1: it? It's a support network and then thinking about the culture you want to build on day one. So even with uh, flown Now, you know, I really set out from the beginning to say we're going to you know, we, we can't build a business that is about creative and productive work, that about working in our best way and not exemplify it ourselves. So we need to find a way that we can weave it in. And it's hard right now because we're scrambling and working really hard to get to our launch. And I suspect it'll be busy after that as well. But we still have um, several parents in our founding team. So we have brought in a culture that allows Full flexibility, so as long as you get you know your your work done, we don't mind, uh, and you're accessible when we need you to be on a certain subset of hours. We're very supportive
0: of people fit, fitting in around childcare. So that's very much that's- part of the DNA of, of of the culture from the start.
1: Yeah, and that that was just you know that's where the stage of life that we're all at now.
0: Mm. So, as you know, as part of Young Enterprises entrepreneurship programs, we've got thousands of young women who, um, some of whom will be listening to this, uh, starting their own student businesses. Uh, We've got many Young Enterprise alumni keen to carry on with their entrepreneurial ideas. We want to help them build confidence and awareness of the skills to make the most of the opportunities, deal with the challenges. So what tips would you give young women considering starting a business right now?
1: Assuming that you're like me, it's the best fun you'll ever have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and I think that's a really core tip because, and I say this to my, my team all the time. And I, and I talk about this with other founder friends of mine, which is that the journey has to be enough because so many businesses will fail. That's just the way it is. And if all you're doing it for is the end outcome, you, you may be disappointed. You have to make the journey worthwhile enough that even if that's all you get, you still don't regret it.
0: Wow. And so that helps that's then very profound
1: but it but it's true it helps you make decisions about how you tackle problems, how you tackle challenges, how you tackle everything higher because it's like you've got one life, so if you've made the choice to do this, enjoy the journey because it's really fun it's awfully stressful, but if you kind of can see that stress through the lens of this is my choice, it may not work, but by golly, I'm gonna make everyday like Every day will feel like,
0: yeah, I did this, and it's the journey is enough. And I guess linked to that is it needs to. You need to feel passionate about what it is that you're gonna do.
1: You, you know, you do, but I. So with skimlinks, I was not passionate about affiliate marketing. No one. I mean, a lot. It would be hard to be. There are some people that are, but. I was super passionate about my business because my business solved a real problem for real people, and it employed awesome people. And I was really passionate about what my, the fact that my company made a difference and did stuff in the world, and it employed people and it developed people's careers. So I was able to find enormous passion in the fact that we were building something that people used and liked and valued, and that the team got value working on it along the way and you were and, f- passionate about. and you were fulfilling a need and we were filling a need that helps so i was passionate about the fact that we were solving a real need
0: okay here's a couple of questions for you because earlier in the week we asked from young women who uh, were thinking or interested in starting businesses um, what questions they'd like to ask female founders. So I've got a couple here for you. Um, a lot of time we focus on the barriers for women starting businesses but what opportunities are there for being a female entrepreneur do you think?
1: In terms of what are the attributes of being a woman that um, that make it more likely you'll succeed, I think that hiring well and nurturing your team, Is incredibly important and women tend tend to do that very well. They also um, are very good at connecting the dots and and being able to hold lots of different disparate ideas in their mind at the one time. This kind of multitasking, multi-threaded way of thinking is really powerful for um, an entrepreneur because it allows you to, to make connections and to predict trends that other people may not see. So those are the things that make it positive for women to be entrepreneurs. I think also that when you, uh, this is the other way to answer the question, when you are an entrepreneur, and and this is not just for women, but really for anyone, you, I'm really excited about the exposure to some extraordinary people that being an entrepreneur brings me. I, I I just, I'm always in awe that I get to be part of a community of people that are making this kind of impact in the world and I don't think that's necessarily just something that benefits obviously women entrepreneurs but it's exhilarating
0: and it goes back to what you've just said about the journey being enough make the journey worthwhile yeah I've
1: got to make it clear most companies will fail or will try along and not have a meaningful exit Um, and if you don't have a meaningful exit it can be very difficult to get out of it and so it ends up you know not being so much fun by the end of it and so, but, but the exposure to other people and the friends that you make along the way, and the the ideas that you're exposed to, that kind of makes all of that worthwhile. And so, you know, it, it's heartbreaking when it doesn't work out. And I'm a lot of my friends' companies have been badly hit by uh, by COVID, and it's heartbreaking when someone's been working on something for many years, and then it just ends because there's something completely outside their control. And for all of them, I know that the thing that they hold on to is what they got out of it in terms of the community that they were
0: part of and the experiences that that community helped them be exposed to. Mm. That leads me to to my last question, really. Any tips in bringing a product to market right now?
1: One of the advantages that this moment in time has is If we're all gonna be remote anyway, there's never been a better time to have a fully remote team. And and that gives you access to talent all over the world. It still comes with significant problems um, to have a, a distributed team that you don't get to see every day, but it also has a lot of opportunities that are particularly useful at this time. Everyone's remote anyway, so you may as well take advantage of some of the more affordable pools of talent around the world to be able to at least build a prototype It's very hard to impossible if you're a first time founder to get funding on just an idea. But I think if you're just starting out, my first company Skimlinks was working and had customers by the time I got my first investment in. And I did it then with a team of Romanian developers and um, and a French operations manager. So I think that that's a really important tip at the moment. Use the fact that we have a world of talent to build a affordable prototype that you can test getting customers against. And that's what's going to
0: help you um, if you need to go down the funding route. Alicia, thank you so much for your insights and your inspiration today. It's been an absolute joy to listen to you and all the very, very best with Flown um, for the launch next year. Thank you so much for coming on Enterprising Mindsets. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Sharon. Enterprising Mindsets is a podcast brought to you by Young Enterprise. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe via your favourite podcast app.